Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi with you Friday afternoon. It's been an eventful week. We are happy to be wrapping it up with you today. Final day of the month of July. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, Brian Haydad, thanks for being with us. Ceasefire text line is open, 601-879-4395. Bull, there's a lot of it in wireless, but Ceasefire thinks you deserve a plan that's actually what it says. Here's the real deal. Best plan for one or two lines, $45 each with auto pay and paperless billing. No bull. Ceasefire.com. So what has happened this week? We have had the ACC announce that it was going to play 10 plus one, 10 conference games, plus uh, the potential for one non-conference game. Then we had the SEC yesterday announce that they would be playing 10 conference games only. There would not be a non-conference game. Today we get the release of the Pac-12's actual schedule with dates and also some built-in makeup time, which is kind of an interesting concept in the way they constructed the schedule and probably makes some pretty good sense. And we had the restart of the NBA. And we have Major League Baseball hanging on the precipice of perhaps coming to a screeching halt. And we had Michael Borky dislocate his ankle. Again, uneventful week, Brian Haydad. We've had a pretty good one, even though I'm not Haydad. You're not, and I'll thank you not to just jump in when he says my name. My God. Oh, Uh, fighting words. No, yeah, it's it's been... It's a habit. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, we knew that it was going to, at some point, there was going to be like this this moment where there was a lot going on. Now, obviously, Borky's ankle wasn't part of that plan, but everything <laughs> else, we, we knew at some point that sports were going to start back up and that schedules were going to start to get made and things of that nature. Here we are. Here we are. So a lot has happened this week, including a follow-up visit to the doctor for Michael Borky. So if we are rewinding to the beginning part of the week, on Tuesday, Michael Borky went for an early morning run. Or maybe it was on Wednesday. I don't know. It was Uh, Tuesday. It was on Tuesday. He went for an early morning run. He came upon uh, an immovable object that proved to be an obstacle too far for his nimble maneuvering abilities. He tried to go around a trash can, uh, forgot that there was a curb there, rolled his ankle, has a lateral high ankle sprain, and his ankle was dislocated, but it popped itself back into place when he tried to move, and that didn't go very well. And now it is hard to know the difference between Michael Borky's ankle and the thigh hamstring part of his leg. 
They're about the same size. It's all the same now. I mean, there are cankles, and then they're just tree trunks, and you got tree trunk uh, a tree trunk right now. And it's just simply remarkable the difference that it makes when I just put it up for like an hour. It goes because my foot, like sitting in the doctor's office, my foot ballooned up to where I like I thought it was going to pop. But then I, I got in the car, and on the way here, I put my foot up. My wife drives me to work now, like I'm in elementary school, and sat in the back and put my foot up on the console, and now it's all back in the ankle. So the fluid is like moving based on my position. It's it's wild. And uh, so I'm on the DL for the next few weeks at least. Mm-hmm. Should you figure out a way to perhaps prop your foot up while in the studio? I thought about it, but, like, uh, you know, it's i got to do this right here. Can you not do it under the desk? Uh, no, because I sit high on the desk. I don't like things up close to my chest. I want to be really on top of stuff. And so, like, a chair underneath the desk doesn't really help me because I, I have to sit really high. Um, I, I can't have... You guys are children. <laughs> I mean, you're both... What are you talking your, about? You're both in your 40s. That's and, what you said! And I, I like... Whoa, 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 whoa. I am not... In my 40s. Yet. I mean, that's coming here soon, right? Yet. Yes, yet. I am not there yet. You will be. This yes. Is, this is year 40 of, of you life. Will be, you, you will be in your... No, I am not yet into year 40 of life. But this so is the year fu- you turn 40. Will you still be able to walk at 40? That's the question I have. Uh, probably I not. You, hey, not only will I be able to walk, I bet I could go jogging down the street, make a little pirouette move around a trash can... <laughs> And not be on the disabled list and unable to walk for the next six months. I, I won't. I won't. I won't uh, uh, cop to that. I'm not sure I could jog down the street. So, yeah, yeah. I probably couldn't go as far as Borky was going, but uh, the crutches are a good exercise, though. I'm going to be jacked when this is all over. Mm-hmm. Do you have do a beach body workout? All shoulders and biceps. Basically, yeah, and I'm skipping leg day for a while, so I'm going to be like uh, upside-down triangle like you see most guys on the beach. If you would like to be a part of the show, you can do so again on the C Spire text line. The number open to you, 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. One message says, oh, it's just water retention, not swelling. Give him some Michael and maybe some flowers. Wow. Aw. That's the that... second um, joke, like feminine product joke he's made so far this week. Huh? Original, that this would... guy. When you've got a brand, you stick with it. All right. Yeah. Uh, will Borky be voting for medical <laughs> marijuana? Man, I, I turned down painkillers. It's not for me. When I when I broke my neck playing football in high school, they offered me oh god, I forget what it was called, uh, hydrocodone, and mm-hmm. I hated, absolutely hated the way it made me feel. And so ever since then, I had one surgical, a minor surgical procedure, and then this kind of stuff. Every time they offer it to me, I decline it because I'm super tough uh, and reject it. But man, it, those couple weeks. When I had the broken neck and I was on that stuff, I, I was so uncomfortable always, and I'll never go down that road again. Yeah, I don't. Uh, I don't blame you on that front. Mister West says, in soccer terms, just thirty minutes in the coldest ice you can imagine 
take out, wait an hour, and do it again. That works every time. Have you done like the significant uh, soaking your ankle in ice? I'm going to now. So they put a cast on it right away. Oh, that's right. That's right, yeah. So that's part of the reason why the swelling's so bad, just because I haven't really been able to ice it. But I'm going to for sure. But if I did that, like in soccer terms, uh, you would have had to carry me out on a stretcher. I at least, you know, used my own power uh, to get from A to B. Did you? Yeah. I thought you said you tried to get up and walk and you just collapsed and had to call your wife to get her to come get you. I was going to try to walk home, but it was a significant distance, like two and a half miles from home. So, Rick and Eden wants to know how the injured reserve list works in talk radio. Uh, we'll have to get back to you on that, Rick. We hadn't figured it out yet. It He's was got a, a lower body. We just, we, yeah, we I got a lower said. body. He's lower body and... As does everybody yeah. else, but, you know. You're day-to-day. That was my favorite He's, prob- part. He's probable for Monday. Yeah, probable for Monday. Um, I'm supposed to be taking a couple days off to go to the beach here in two weeks. Well, we'll see. Uh, if oh, I gave you the text line. You can also uh, tweet us, uh, send us a message on Twitter at Sports Talk M-I-S-S. When we come back, we'll kind of dive into the Pac-12 schedule. Not necessarily because you are wildly concerned about the Pac-12, but because, well, for a couple of reasons. One, it's actual football content, and so we'll do that, and we try to keep an eye of what's going on throughout the entire country. But also there's some things in the way that they have built the schedule that probably make a lot of sense, and will be fascinating to see if the SEC puts into place as well. One of those things, the SEC told you that uh, yesterday uh, that the plan was to have a middle-of-the-season open date And so you figured that that would be weeks four, five, six or so. That's exactly what the Pac-12 has done. They have 11 weeks on the calendar. All 12 teams in the Pac-12 have their open date in either week four, week five, or week six. Four of them in week four, four of them in week five, four of them in week six, and then week 12, which is December 12th, is an open date for the entire league. And the way they have structured things, one of your first two games, one of your first two opponents, in fact, both of your first two opponents, have open dates that match up with yours. So that if you miss a game in week one, you could turn around in either week four, five, or six, if things have gotten better, and make that game up. And so there's some method to the madness besides just willy-nilly sticking open dates in there. We'll take more of a look at that when we come back. Continuing with you, it's Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm on this Friday afternoon. So similar to the SEC, the Pac-12 will begin its football season on uh, September 26th. Week one will be September 26th, the fourth Saturday in the month of September. And they've got some rivalry games right out of the gate. Hey, Dad, it's not the entire league. Right. A couple I mean, of big it, ones, though. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're not doing Cal Stanford. They're not doing Oregon State. They're not doing Washington State and Washington. But Arizona, Arizona State, Southern Cal, UCLA, those are both happening 
on the opening weekend. That's a pretty cool way to start the season. Yeah. Yeah. I'm okay with it. So the first two games on everybody's schedule are games that can be collapsed into the bye week. All of the bye weeks, four of them in weeks four, five, and six, occur in a three-week period. Arizona, Arizona State, Stanford, and Washington have bye weeks in week four. Arizona plays Arizona State in week one. Stanford plays Washington in week one. Those two games, if they were COVIDed out or otherwise, could be played in week four because they have common bye dates. The week five bye dates are Colorado, Oregon, Utah, and Washington State. Colorado and Oregon play each other in the opening weekend of the season. And then you also have, uh, who are the other two? Utah and Washington State play each, play each other in week number one. And then during week six, Cal, Oregon State, UCLA, and Southern Cal all play each other. And again, Southern Cal, UCLA play each other in week one. And you've got uh, Cal against Oregon State in week one. That makes a heck of a lot of sense. Not to just say, well, we're going to have by, you know, a, an open date built into the schedule somewhere in the middle. There is legit reasoning for where you plugged in the open dates in this particular scenario. Yeah. Larry Scott's not all bad, is he? Yes. Did something right. Mark it down. Put it on the calendar. Yeah. I mean,. It, at first glance, it, it looks like it's 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 built for success. Got to wonder if the SEC model will be uh, not just even similar, the same. Yeah, that's that's my next question. Uh, it, do you think that, especially the rivalry game piece of it? So, like, like looking at Oregon's schedule, for example, they don't have Oregon State to start the season, but they have them in Week Four. It, do you think that? the SEC is also heading down a road of total schedule rebuild where they, quite frankly, don't really care when the Iron... Well, maybe the Iron Bowl is an exception, but they don't really care when the Egg Bowl gets played. They just care that it does get played, and we're going to schedule it however it makes sense for everybody. Uh, you're just going to have to deal with it for this year and this year only. Very possible. Yeah. Very possible. Uh, because I, there's, there's so many rivalry games within the SEC. I mean... You've got, I mean, for Auburn, they have Alabama and Georgia. Alabama has Auburn and Tennessee. Uh, you know, everybody hates LSU. I don't know where to go with that, but there's just so many of these games. Florida, Georgia, which is normally a midseason game. When is that going to be played? It doesn't. They're just going to have to find solutions that makes everybody happy. I'm sorry. They're going to make solutions whether, regardless of whether it makes everybody. Yeah, happy. they don't care who's happy and who's not. So, for example. Arizona-Arizona State is the Territorial Cup. It's normally played final week of the regular season. Usually the Friday after Thanksgiving. This year it's week one. Uh, Cal-Stanford is a big rivalry game. This year it's played in week five. Southern Cal-UCLA, usually played at the end of the year, week one. Uh, Washington-Washington State. 
the Apple Cup, right? Usually played final game of the year. Well, it's in week 10 this year, next to last week of the regular season. The game formerly known as the Civil War, Oregon and Oregon State. Can't call it that anymore. They will play each other in week four this year. They've just got rivalry games splattered all over the schedule, and they're saying that 2020 is an outlier. My guess is that's what happens with the SEC schedule as well. Somebody that's better at, at laying these out and kind of figuring out the math piece of it, does the fact that there are 14 teams in the SEC and therefore an odd number of games on a given weekend, that complicates things. that They can't do exactly what the Pac-12 did in terms of first two weeks' opponents you just flip-flop. Like, like there, there are four opponents, almost like there are three different pods of four groups of teams. And you, you, you play two and two over the first two weeks. It's kind of how they set it up. You can't do that with 14 teams and therefore seven games, right? Don't think so. I don't think that math works. Yeah, I, I, I'm not a professor, but what you're saying sounds correct. We'll just take your word for it. But do, I mean, do you understand what I'm trying to? So, so Absolutely, everything. Yes. Yeah, I mean, there's symmetry because yes, you've got an even number of teams in 12, but you collapse that down into there are six games when you play 12, and so you can kind of. I'm not even sure that I'm saying what I'm trying to say right. I, I think I, I don't following. even know the right math terms to get it. <laughs> but when you go from 14 teams, that means there are seven games, and so there are an odd number of games, and so you can't like symmetrically break things up and make it neat and tidy. That's why somebody smarter than me will be figuring out the uh, the new schedule in the SEC. Hey, from talking to people, do you think, like, by Monday, when when's the timeline on that, based on what you've heard? Or even is there one? Is it just whenever uh, we're done, we'll tell you? Yeah, I think it's done. Oh, really? I think you're just not ready to release it yet. They've had the schedule done for a few so then why is somebody that works at the SEC office going on Twitter saying, oh, we haven't made it yet, so stop asking me because it's not done. We're working on it right now. Then why are, why are you even going down that road? I don't know. Just say, we will announce it at a later date. That's all you got to do. I was joking when I t- Dellinger tweets that, and then or he tweets, I was Herb Vincent who said that. And all I said was, well, that's exactly what somebody who has a completed schedule would say. But it is. Don't You can't convince me that, that schedule's not sitting there on somebody's desk ready to go. They're just ironing out the left. I guarantee it's probably something like we're talking about. It's probably Alabama and Auburn saying, look, you can screw with everybody else, but we're going last. We're the last game. Something like that. Is it out on Monday by noon? Or by Monday at noon? I, I no, no way of knowing how to answer that. Because what would be the hang-up? If it is done, I mean, what are you waiting on? Well, I, think it, I think it did say in the release yesterday that all of the athletics directors had to vote on or, or approve the schedule. Ah, so, so maybe... Okay. Me, I think part of it is... Maybe I'm reading too much into this. I think the SEC's tired of leaks. And so they'll release it when they want to release it. <laughs> no, I mean, here's the reality of this. So, 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 so you asked the question, well, how is Ross Dellinger getting all this scoop? Is somebody at the SEC office telling him? No. 
is one of the 14 athletics directors directly telling him? Probably not. But the thing is, these ADs, even though they're not telling us on the radio and they're not telling other people, they're telling their coaching staffs. They're giving them updates on what's going on. And then the head coach is going to share that information with his assistants. And now all of a sudden you've got that times 14, and guess what? That's how you build sources and you get information. And Ross has been around the SEC for a while, right? I mean, he covered Mississippi State. He's been in the state of Mississippi. He covered LSU for a long time. Did he spend some time at AL.com also before he... I don't think so. Maybe not. But Ross is really, really good at his job, and so he's cultivated a lot of sources across the Southeastern Conference and across college football, and clearly he's getting good information. John Talty was getting information as well. We were giving you information. Same idea, though. I mean, if, if you're around long enough, you start building sources, you build people, you know, relationships with people that, you trust and who trust you, and you're able to find things out. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. We will take a quick timeout, and we'll continue with you. Back with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. You know how some guys are just naturally funny? And then some guys are not funny, and they know it. And then there's the guy who's not funny but tries really hard to be funny. Is Eli Drinkwitz that guy? Yes. Oh, yeah. Here, Here is his most recent tweet. I thought you were describing yourself. Go ahead, though. Here's his most recent tweet. Sources. Mizzou football opponents for 2020 season have been decided dates to be released at a later time. And there is a picture there. And it's of a whiteboard. they got magnets on the board, like you see in football offices. He's got them broken down his home and away. His home schedule is Georgia, Arkansas, 85 Bears, 98 Bulls, and Kentucky. He says his road schedule is Florida, Tennessee, Patriots, South Carolina, and Mighty Ducks. And he has magnets up there for alternates that say, remember the Titans and Jamaican bobsled. Like, I read it, and I was like, does he think this is funny? Remember the Titans is also not a team. Well, yes. That's, that's the least of the problems here, Borky. The T.C. Williams Titans were the team. Eli. Yes, I know. I don't, I don't think that's, that's exactly the issue. Anyway, I just, yeah, if you want to check that out, check out Eliah Drinkwitz, uh, Coach Drinkwitz on Twitter. Farm Bureau phone line, check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau, Luke Johnson, co host of the Eagle Hour on Super Talk, Hattiesburg, Super Talk, Laurel. All this conversation about schedule releases and formats and whatnot. Luke, what are you hearing about uh, about Southern Miss, about the plans for Conference USA? Is it a wait-and-see thing? What, what's going on? Well, I, I didn't know if you were talking about me leading into that segment, Richard, so oh, I'm glad no. know I'm off the hook. There, so. <laughs> no, that wasn't specifically about you, Luke. I'm sorry. 
Yeah, so Conference USA, um, of course, they're going to wait and see what the SEC does. And with the SEC announcing that yesterday, Auburn game off the table. Uh, Brent, uh, Brent McMurphy um, reported late yesterday afternoon, there's some sources leaking uh, the stadium, which you got to understand, Conference USA, uh, the last thing they reported was the Dewey defeats Truman headline um, on their website. So they... they they pretty much don't report anything, so uh, or, or let you know anything till till way later. So what it looks like is some of an eight game conference uh, schedule, like they are, like it's been, and then they're going to allow as many non conference games as you can schedule, obviously up to twelve, uh, so or up to four to, to get twelve total games, so that just to allow members to be able to get as many games. Uh, as they as they can for revenue sake. Here's the interesting caveat to it: you may find actual conference USA teams scheduling one another uh, a second time in a regular season. It obviously, it wouldn't count towards conference record, but just to try to pull some games off. So, what that looks like for Southern Miss: they play La Tech week two, week three was the Jackson State game. Obviously, nobody there. Week four, um, it was the Auburn game. Obviously, nobody there. Uh, it's not too far shot off to see them maybe plug UAB in week four. They play with UAB at the end of the season. Um, you wouldn't have to fly anywhere, uh, and you could just take a bus trip either to Birmingham or they could come here, and you could at least get an extra game on your schedule. It's a conference USA. I'm trying to allow their, their schools to get as many games on the schedule as possible. Luke, I saw Jeremy McLean tweeted yesterday that he was actively working to try and find non-conference opponents. You you just uh, outlined one scenario. Is there another scenario where you think uh, Jeremy McLean or, or somebody that, that's working on his behalf is feverishly reaching out to the ACC teams uh, that that are out there, or, or at least the ones that maybe aren't in Boston? Yeah, it's just going to be hard, I think, to to get uh, a Power 5 school at, at this point. We joked today on the Eagle Hour that Oklahoma has an open date on the 26th of September. Still waiting to see what the Big 12 is going to do. You know, I, I think it's more feasible to, to plug either on the 19th or the 26th um, somebody like a, a Tennessee Martin, Jason Simpson, the Southern Miss guys, the head coach up there, they're off on, on the 26th of September, um, you know, Troy was scheduled to play NC State on uh, September 19th. Um, Archie State had to, got their game with Michigan canceled on September 19th. So I don't see Southern Miss unless they land you know, somewhere in the payout of what they were getting with Auburn. I don't see how in the world they're going to take a, a flight trip. I think it's going to be, if they go on the road on the 26th, it's going to have to be a bus trip because now uh, – the way the Auburn contract works, Southern Miss actually already received four hundred thousand of the one point eight five million they were supposed to get, so they're losing out on one point four five million. And you just can't fork out more money taking a road trip unless you're going to get somewhere in that neighborhood of another payout. Have you learned anything about what the financial of arrangement will be with Auburn with that one point four five million that is outstanding, whether or not Auburn's going to try and get out of it, whether maybe the two schools are going to agree to play a game down the line as kind of a make good or maybe even a make good with with interest or or if Auburn's just trying to walk away from it altogether. I was able to put in a information request and actually get a hold of the contract from Southern Miss and 
there was a couple articles about this also, Montgomery Advisor and, and uh, Al.com. It looks like all of these SEC schools are going to be able to get out of paying that money. Um, there, there's a line actually in the all these, I think the legal term is force uh, majeure, which is basically you right. can fulfill a contract based off unforeseen circumstances. So this contract actually lists fire, flood, hurricane, tornado, earthquake, war, invasion, hostilities, rebellion, insurrection. doesn't list an epidemic or a pandemic, but it does say that if uh, the government, the military, a public authority, the SEC, or the NCAA makes it impossible or impractical to play the game, both parties shall be relieved of any and all obligations of this agreement. So the consensus... On the, on the Auburn side, from the Auburn media, is that Auburn's not going to have to pay anything. They're losing $5 million when they lose the North Carolina game, and they were scheduled to pay out $4.2 million. They were paying $1.8 to Southern Miss, $1.9 to UMass, and I think around four seventy five to their SWAC opponent. So kind of the consensus is, you know, they're, Southern Miss isn't going to get any more of that. Um, and... You know, just the kind of frustration of that is the SEC, I think, protected themselves a little better than the ACC because the SEC is not choosing what non-conference game they will play. So there's no favoritism involved picking a UMass over a Southern Miss. So it just looks like the Golden Eagles are out in the cold on this one. Yeah, a couple of things you said there that are really fascinating to me. That's very similar language that insurance companies – that have business insurance policies are using to not pay claims for um, you know loss of business revenue filings because it th- there is not uh, you, you know you don't have an epidemic or a pandemic as you mentioned and that's an exclusion but at the same time. It sounds like the wording that you mentioned is the the whole SEC or NCAA if they make it, you know, impossible to play those games. And if the SEC completely reshuffles the schedule, then you can't play a conference game. That's that's fascinating to me the the way that that's uh, working out. Some good lawyering by somebody. Very good lawyering. Nothing but the best for the Southeastern Conference. But here's the thing with the Group of Five schools: you can't push back. How are you going to take a Power Five conference to court over? You know, because pandemic or epidemic aren't listed there, you may have a little ground, but you really don't. Because if you're if you're the little brother that pushes the big brother's buttons, well, you'll never get another power five contract ever. So you don't have any leverage whatsoever to do that. And I should say this: Southern Miss's athletic budget, the Auburn check would make up almost eight percent of the Southern Miss annual athletic budget. Hmm. Wow. It was one point eight million. Is that right? Yeah, one point eight five. They've already got four hundred thousand, so they were expected to get another one point four five. You don't think they'll be asked to return the four hundred thousand, do you? I, I wouldn't think that they would. The SEC would do that. <laughs> you know, <laughs> no, I, I wouldn't think so either. And I mean, you, you might get a response from. Jeremy McClain, it says, you know, from my cold, dead hands or something along those lines. Um, I, I do wonder, and, and this kind of goes back to what we were talking about a second ago, if kind of by being a good partner and saying, okay, we get it, we're not going to tie this thing up in litigation, but can we please go ahead and get something on the schedule as soon as you've got a, a date open moving forward? Do, do you think that'll be part of it? There's actually a, a section right under the section I read you 
Um, there was nothing listed in that uh, first contract, um, but there is a, a portion in that contract that would allow for you know a, a date to be uh, a future date to be scheduled. I, I hope Auburn would do that. I hope the big teams, the Big Ten, would do that to those MAC teams um, because. Just being really frank, this puts Southern Miss in a crazy, already difficult situation, a more crazy, difficult financial bind. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think there's any question that there's some uh, some difficult days ahead that uh, are going to take some creativity and some patience and probably some difficult times. Luke, thanks for your time, for the uh, explanations this afternoon. We'll talk to you again soon. Tell Trip Borky to look into ankle fusion technology. You guys have a great weekend. <laughs> Luke Johnson on the Farm Bureau phone line. But I have been quite Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm. Thought I'd clear something up from yesterday. I was able to get a little clarification on what Ross Dellinger reported as a strength of schedule metric that would be used by the Southeastern Conference to fill those final two games. And maybe it's just a poor choice of wording by Ross, which he doesn't do very often. He doesn't misuse words very often. Or maybe that was poorly communicated to him. That that piece of the reporting, though, is not accurate. Well, that's refreshing. However, The proper phrasing, as I understand it, would be competitive balance. And so maybe it was just a mix-up on somebody's part. There's not some formula that they're using for strength of schedule based on what happened last year or what is projected to happen this year. But they do want to put together games that make sense in terms of competitive balance. I don't know if that means who's considered to be the best, they're going to play the best, and who's considered to be the second best, they'll play the best. If it will be a balance of everybody gets a team that's considered to be pretty good and then maybe at the bottom. Yeah, for example, if you don't have Alabama or Arkansas on your schedule and you're in the East, maybe those are the two that you get. But if you don't get Alabama or Arkansas, maybe you get uh, Texas A&M and Mississippi State. Would, would that make sense? So, so maybe the the way to do the competitive balance thing is you're if you get one of the best teams, they're going to balance it out with one of the worst. And if you don't get one of the best teams to get one of the worst teams, then maybe you're going to get two kind of from the middle. So the league office is going to use subjective metrics to determine who gets to play who based on how good they think a team is going to be? I don't have specifics for you. My guess is they're going to use their brain and their eyes to try to to develop a schedule that they think will be competitively balanced for all 14 teams. Don't like that. It just feels like they're overcomplicating this big time. Just put the next two opponents on there and go. And whoever it is, it is. If you don't like it, don't play football. Who cares? Or just randomize it or something. I because I, yeah. I know what's coming. Even though, I, you know, it's hard sometimes to think that this isn't the case. But you know what's coming, right? 
Alabama's going to get a good draw. And everybody's going to scream bias. No matter what the league office does, now that they have, or will potentially acknowledge, that they projected the quality of the teams in their league and scheduled based on how good they think the teams are going to be, there is going to be some kind of negative reaction that they could have avoided hold on, by hold on, randomizing. Hold on. I, I am not reporting on what the process is. Right. That, that's why I said if they do that. I tried to put a qualifier. I guess I didn't do it well enough. But if this is what they decide to do or if this is what they do and they say this is how we determined it. We looked at... Yeah. All, all, all I'm saying here is that we all kind of raised our eyebrows and go, strength of schedule, what does that mean? And I was told that strength of schedule is not the right phrase. That's not the right qualifier. The the proper qualifiers they try to put these schedules together is searching for competitive balance. Whether that's I'm right up. or wrong, how they go about doing it, I, I don't know the answer to that. But that's what they are attempting to do. I honestly think it, I mean, I have to think about exactly how you make it work. But the whole idea of a televised random draw where it's just completely random would kind of be a neat way to do it. Yep. Yeah, I mean, use ping pong balls or something. I go all out on it. I looked at it for the podcast uh, for today's show, and I- I'm going to call me a hot take or make a prediction, whatever you want to do. I think State's going to end up with South Carolina and either Tennessee or Vanderbilt. Because if you look at where State finished in the West versus where those teams finished, that's, that makes the most sense. They already have Kentucky and Missouri. So you either go up to Tennessee or go down to Vanderbilt. That's my prediction for State. I think South Carolina will happen for sure. Based on just gut? Well, they were both, those were the two, they both finished fifth last year. That's how I'm looking at it. Okay. Kentucky was fourth. State already plays Kentucky. Uh, Missouri was six. State already plays Missouri. So do you go up one or down one? I don't know the answer to that. I mean, that's as good a rationale as there is if we're just guessing. Yeah. So, man, I guess that's all we're doing right now is uh, is guessing. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm. Will Salmon will join us next. He is covering Major League Baseball. And, whew, has that been a wild ride as of late? hour with you, Sports Talk Mississippi. Time for us to go to the Farm Bureau phone line, check out favorites.com, and go with the home team at Mississippi Farm Bureau. Our next guest should not be able to visit with us right now, but because of a postponement in Major League Baseball, Will Salmon, who covers the Milwaukee Brewers for the Athletic, is able to join on us, uh, join in with us. Uh, Will, I w- wish it weren't under these circumstances that you were uh, able to talk, but uh, glad, as always, to visit with you. How are you? A silver lining to my day, Richard. Uh, yeah. I always appreciate Yeah, that's exactly what it is, right? <laughs> so help us make sense. How, how, how much of hanging by a thread is the Major League Baseball season right now? Well, it seems things are pretty precarious just because, look, this is another instance of games not being able to be played as scheduled. And you know, how many does that make just for today? Like, there's at least three off the top of my head, and maybe that could be more by the end, by the end of our phone call here. I mean, it's just, it is getting to a point where 
things have to be looked at and and things have to be considered as to like why we're why we're kind of doing this still. Um, I feel like at least and you know that point could be made before the season ever started because baseball was never operating in a bubble. Uh, they were always tra- they were they were always set on traveling, and there has been travel. And you know the protocols have been in place, but I mean we still see guys you know high fiving, spitting, and you know it's not it's not completely followed. It's just not. If you watch a game, I've watched plenty, not just the Brewers, but I've watched plenty just as a fan, and you see it all the time. I mean the dugouts are pretty full, guys are together. It's just they're not all wearing masks, and so I think that some of that stuff is problematic in addition to all the traveling, of course. Will, at this point, is there any specific link or any specific, oh, this is what happened to cause a couple of Cardinals players to get it? I mean, with the Miami deal, it, it feels pretty safe. We had a conversation with Ben Ingram earlier this week. He's like, look, Miami didn't get it in Miami. They got it in Atlanta when when they were there, you know, for the exhibition games before the season actually started. The timeline works out for that, and clearly there were some poor decisions that were made. And then the ripple effect is they played Philadelphia, so Philly's not playing. Their game with Toronto's off right now. We get that. Is there something like that that we're waiting to find out about the Cardinals, or is it just a function of bad luck and the reality is coronavirus is everywhere? Yeah, I think that they're still trying to figure out the tracing aspect of it, but there's always going to be an element of bad luck, I feel like, regardless, because, I mean, I think it's just from the Brewer side of things, like, they haven't had that many issues as far as testing and getting the results on time and guys not being positive for the virus. But let's face it, I mean, it, it is everywhere. and It's like there is yeah. a huge element of luck involved there. I mean, it's, I feel like sometimes you could do the, all the right things. You could follow all the right procedures, and you still end up testing positive for it just because of one you know, brief encounter or – something that you didn't really account for in the first place. Is the most disappointing part of this the fact that it feels like baseball's got a little momentum? Despite all the ugliness of the offseason and the delay because of coronavirus and the fact that baseball just had a big old whiff on taking the entire month of July and making it their own, the television ratings have been really good. The, The opening day Major League Baseball ratings were better than last night's opening day NBA ratings. And the play has been pretty good on the field. Is that the biggest frustration in all of this? Is now that things are finally going, they may grind to a halt? It seems that way because I'm with you. Like, I've looked forward to every single game, and not just because it's my job or anything like that, but I've, I've looked forward to watching games on the West Coast even after I'm done with work and just watching the late games. And so I think that the numbers that you detailed are painting a picture that people still care, people still want to watch it. And frankly, for you know the last week or so, it's been the only thing that people are, um, who are sports fans have got the opportunity to see, right? With uh, football not being played yet, of course, this time of year, and that being very questionable anyway. So, I mean, yeah, that's a that's a big one, and it, it's just unfortunate, just because like you can go back and forth on you know whether they should have gone to the bubble in the beginning or not, like the NBA. But I mean, even that, it's just really difficult for for Major League Baseball to do that because. They're outdoors too, so like, where are you going to put it? You know, in Arizona, where it's 115 degrees right now. Like, it's a it's a tough one, man. It's 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 tough, and it's it's unfortunate in so many ways. 
Will Salmon from The Athletic on your radio. He covers the uh, Milwaukee Brewers now and does a really nice job doing so. Will, um, what's it been like for you guys that cover the team on a uh, on a day-to-day basis? I know you got Zoom calls for press conferences, but in terms of being at the ballpark and how it's spaced out and what, what you're being allowed to do uh, versus what you're not being allowed to do. Yeah, it really reminds me of covering college athletics, to be honest with you, Richard. <laughs> you know, I feel like I'm well prepared for this situation, and I say that because, you know... So you're saying you no longer sports, have any access. <laughs> yeah, pretty much, as you know, man. And that's not a knock on any teams I've covered. That's just how it is in college sports. Like, the access isn't there, and honestly, you can make an argument for why that is. I mean, you're talking about college kids and everything. So, you know, trust me, I get it. But that's just the point that I'm making is, you know, I kind of feel a little bit prepared in the sense of, like, here, even though it's professional and it's major league baseball, we're at the mercy of like who the team gives us for interviews. And so like sometimes you're not able to provide the greatest of stories or the greatest of information because you just don't have the access to these guys that you did like in pre, you know, last year or even in spring training for me earlier this year before the shutdown occurred. So that, that aspect is, uh, isn't great, but it, it is what it is. I mean, uh, you totally understand it. And then inside the stadium, you know, every day we get our, our temperatures checked before we enter, and then we keep our distance in the press box, and then we have Zoom interviews over the computer after the game, which you know, is just really weird. But like everything else in, in 2020, I feel like it's been kind of crazy how quickly we get used to bizarre things, and I've gotten used to all the weird circumstances surrounding this job for me. Um, so, yeah, it's just like one of those things. We, we've really gotten used to bizarre things in 2020, I'll say that. Yeah, I, uh, I think that's the case everywhere. Uh, true or false, the Astros' chance of being a good baseball team is better if Christian Yelich doesn't hit 037. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that that's probably a, a fact for the Brewers, like, that's been an anomaly right there. And, you know, like not for nothing, we're seeing some, some other stars in the game, not at the degree that Yelich is struggling, but they haven't, like, gotten off to the greatest of stars. I don't really know of any, like, major superstar off the top of my head. I'm sure there's one, but I don't know of too many off the top of my head that have really excelled. And that's an interesting thing, too. And, you know, in talking with players, like, Ryan Braun over here at the Brewers said it best, like, he was like, dude, like, it's hard to concentrate on just, like, what you have to do on a day-to-day basis for baseball uh, with all that's going on because it seems like every day there, there's this new thing going on in the news that may indicate whether or not there will even be a game the next day. So it, it's definitely weird. Um, so, and, and I think we're seeing that play out onto the field as well. Uh, story just came from Jeff Passan, uh, maybe in the last 20 minutes. It says Rob Manfred has given the Players Association's uh, executive director, Tony Clark, kind of a warning um, that if the coronavirus situation isn't managed better, the season is being endangered of, uh, or is endangered of shutdown. I mean, I don't feel like it takes a rocket scientist to connect those dots. Is that more... Poor leadership from Rob Manfred. I mean, should, shouldn't they be the ones managing it, or is this like a shot across the bow and a warning? Hey, you better get your players in line and get them to quit doing stupid stuff, or we're just going to shut it down. Yeah, I think that I, I think uh, Jeff, uh, ESPN, kind of clarified that too, like a little bit later 
I don't know if it was meant to be like a threat or anything like that. I think from the way that I understood it, it was more like, hey, this is what's going on. These are the circumstances. This is the situation. If these things aren't improving, we're in serious, serious jeopardy here. And like you said, that seemed pretty obvious from, from really around the time I woke up this morning. So, um, yeah, I, and I think that it kind of touches on some things that we talked about earlier in our conversation just now about, you know, if you turn on the baseball game, you know, yeah, there's no fans, there's no, there's no crowd, it's artificial noise, all that. But if you look at the players, sometimes they're not wearing masks, sometimes they're still high-fiving and spitting. So, you know, it's like you kind of, I don't want to say you forget about what's going on, because obviously you do not, but you definitely forget about some of those protocols that they said to have put in place. And I don't even know if that's the answer, though. I mean, I don't look at it as, okay, they're going to be a little bit more stricter here, and then all of a sudden the problem is cured. Like, that's, that's beyond wishful thinking. I don't think that that's realistic at all either. It's almost just like it makes more sense to use the taxi squad, ship players up and down. If you got to press pause in the season for a week and a half or two weeks, do that and keep going because coronavirus isn't going anywhere. So we'll see. Yeah, well, I really appreciate I totally your time and your insight this afternoon, man. It's good catching up with you, and you keep doing great work. Appreciate it, Richard. Thanks for having me on, man. Absolutely. Will Salmon from The Athletic covers the Milwaukee Brewers, giving us a little insight on what's happening in Major League Baseball world. Take a time out. Be back with you at Sports Talk Mississippi. I think we've reached the uh, the point in the Major League Baseball season. You know, now that we're five, six, seven games in, depending on who you're talking about, or three if you're one of the few teams, where we have to realize that this year is just it's kind of like an exhibition. And if they make it all the way through, somebody's going to get a trophy. I don't even know if we can call it a 3 eighths championship, though. It's just its a way for those guys to make some money and us to have some entertainment. It's nothing beyond that. Why do I say that now? Seven-inning doubleheaders have been approved. I know Borky's thrilled. I'm just confused as to why. What difference does the four extra innings make as far as anything you're trying to accomplish? That's what a high school does. That's what, a, for some reason, college baseball does. But you are the pinnacle of the sport. And you're shortening games for what reason? It's not like you have a travel time restraint like SEC baseball does. What's the reason? I mean, players wanted it and they argued health and safety. It's because they're having to play game after game after game. There are basically no breaks. You're dealing with COVID. I mean, it's not because... Oh, by playing four fewer innings in the course of the day, maybe I'm less likely to be exposed. I, I don't think that's what it is. I think it's just that they realize they are because of the way the season is unfolding, if it if it continues, they're going to be a bunch of doubleheaders. They're already going to be a bunch of doubleheaders because we've got a bunch of games that have been postponed. And I guess it just takes a, a bigger toll. I mean, when when you're having to play day after day after day after day for two solid months, which is a grind, especially at that level, we're talking about the best in the world, and now some of those days you're going to have to play two games. I'm not arguing for it against it. I'm just saying yeah. it's not baseball at the major league level. It's different. And and that's why I just said, look, just look at this. I mean, it's entertainment for us. It's a way for them to get a paycheck. 
you know, they obviously didn't take it serious enough to work out a deal to, to get us a legitimate season. So just look at it as an entertainment. It's something on your television besides Netflix. And it's fun. I mean, I, I'm still checking box scores every day if I don't watch the game to see how the Yankees did and happy when they win. And if there's a big moment in a game and somebody strikes out, I'll be like, ah. That's about as far as I'm going with it, though. Do you think that uh, – I saw this on Twitter. I love a good conspiracy theory. I think the owners are sort of pushing this right now, like, ah, we didn't want to play the season anyway. Let's see if we can't get it shut down. I think now that it's going, they just assume it be played. You think? Okay. I mean, there's a pretty significant amount of expense that's already gone into this thing, right? And, yes, you could limit some of that expense, but, I mean, what are, are you going to limit that much? And the the impetus for the owners to play is not just to play regular season games. The owners need the deal to get to the postseason because that's where they get the big check. So, no, I don't think the owners want it shut down at this point. All right. But maybe we're closing in on an untenable situation. I mean, you can't have three games a day, four days a week, postponed. Right. It just it just won't work. Long term. So what's the fix? I mean, is it just simply I mean, we've talked about personal responsibility a lot. Is it find more ways to incentivize incentivize players not going to strip clubs in Atlanta? I mean, is that what what do you have to do to prevent the Miami Marlins from not going out when they're in Atlanta? Release some players. Unconditional release, you're not getting paid. First couple ones that do that, everybody will fall into line, you would think. Joel Sherman, who covers the Yankees and Major League Baseball for the New York Post, writes this on Twitter. Backdrop to MLB's hope for further diligence by players is the huge outbreak with Marlins that could have started due to breakdowns and following protocols, plus the constant in-game spitting, high-fiving, hugging, etc. that is seen daily and violates protocols. How did they ever believe that was? But Borky, when you first read those guidelines, I said they're still going to spit. Of course, it was so. You hit a home run, you're high fiving your teammates. I'm sorry. The difference is, if you all do the right thing off the field, none of you are positive, and therefore you can high five each other and spit and do those other normal baseball things. The I mean, look at what basketball is the sport itself. Those guys sweating and all that stuff on each other, and they played two games last night. They've they played one already today. They've got two more going on. And they're all negative, so it doesn't matter if they high-five each other and celebrate and play regular basketball with each other without altering the rules because they know every single person on the floor doesn't have it. So it doesn't matter if they exchange in their sport the way they usually do. Hmm. And, and that's the issue facing football is, I mean, you know. All right, how about that? Okay, on the football front, you ready for this? T.J. Quinn at ESPN covers the NFL. He just said, oh, I'm sorry, this is related to Major League Baseball. He said, a person connected to a very prominent player told me the player warned teammates if they screw things up, he'll get them traded, and he could do it too. <laughs> <laughs> this is baseball related. Good. 
That's what it's going to take, man. Some vigilante justice within the locker room. If you screw up, we'll take it upon ourselves to make sure that you can't screw it up again. Yeah. Hey, the the Saints had kind of a media day recently, and some players touched on that. I think I think it was Cam Jordan that said, uh, we're going to be watching each other to make sure that nobody steps out of line, and if they do, it's going to be a problem. So... Uh, it's a shame that you have to rely on that. I mean, you would think professionals at some point would realize that I can jeopardize my multi-million dollar paycheck if I go to the club tonight, and so I won't do it, but maybe that's what has to be done. So here's what's going on in Major League Baseball right now. Two St. Louis Cardinals players have tested positive, resulting in Major League Baseball postponing this afternoon's game at Milwaukee. They were supposed to start playing at 10 after 2. Major League Baseball's quick decision to postpone the game today comes after the outbreak with the Marlins, who have now had 20 positive tests, 18 players and a coach. So 18 of the 30 on their active roster have positive COVID tests right now. The postponed game has been rescheduled as part of a doubleheader, which will now be seven inning games on Sunday afternoon, with the first game to start at 2.10 Eastern time, 1.10 Central. And that's assuming you don't get a rash of positive tests. Major League Baseball said the postponement allows enough time for the Cardinals to do additional testing and conduct contact tracing. ESPN's Jesse Rogers said that if what is happening with the Cardinals had occurred before the Marlins outbreak, Friday's game still would have been played. President of the Brewers said we're supportive of Major League Baseball's decision to postpone to today's game and look forward to playing our home opener as soon as conditions safely allow. Here's the crazy part of this. You got two Cardinals that tested positive, so what's the ripple effect? They played in Minnesota on Tuesday and on Wednesday. The Twins hosted Cleveland last night, meaning the Indians likely use the same visiting clubhouse as St. Louis. Minnesota is scheduled to host the Indians again tonight. And so you've got six teams today that aren't playing, and at least one more team that is exposed to the same space where Cardinals players were just a couple of days ago that tested positive. Look, I mean, you kind of know how I feel about coronavirus. It's obviously a big deal. It's a really big deal. But here's what we know about the virus. It is highly contagious. You can say whatever you want to about who it affects, how it affects them, what the death rate is, you know, spike in cases, but death rate saying stable or maybe even going down in some cases. But we know that it is highly contagious. And that's an issue. It's a really big issue. What's the number? What what's the percentage that scientists point to in terms of herd immunity? Was it twenty percent of the population, or is it more than that? Don't remember the there, exact number. Is there a doctor I, sitting behind me that I, I didn't? I, didn't I remember see. an explanation no, that was given recently that states that we are quite a significant distance away from achieving that goal if that were to be the goal 
Yeah. Sports Talk Mississippi with you, streaming at supertalk.fm. Quick timeout. We'll be right back. One NBA final today. Two games going on right now. Orlando beat Brooklyn 128-118. to Phoenix is leading Washington 70-63. to Memphis trails by 10 to Portland in the third quarter. Uh, Dame Lillard and the Portland Trailblazers up 70-60 to on the uh, Memphis Grizzlies. 11 minutes to play in the third quarter. Games on NBA TV if you want to watch it. Uh, Boston, Milwaukee, Sacramento, San Diego, Houston, Dallas all coming up later tonight. You had two games last night. Uh, championship dreams for the New Orleans Pelicans took a hit with the uh, Pels dropping a tight one to Utah. Still in good shape. All they have to do is be within four to get to the playing series. But now the issue is Portland. Because if Portland beats Memphis today, they are now two wins ahead of you. And so you've got to really play well over the next seven. And Portland's schedule is much tougher than theirs. But now Portland's the issue because they're playing well and and they've got two, I mean, exceptional guards. But Memphis losing today is supposed to be good for New Orleans, but it's a catch-22 because it means Portland's winning. So last night was just a mess. They turned the basketball over. Lonzo Ball's shot selection late was just atrocious. And their plan on a minutes restriction for Zion just is nonsense. The way they used him last night was ridiculous, and they're getting roasted today, and they deserve to be roasted today for how they used him last night. A young basketball team's going to turn the ball over and stuff like that, but when your most efficient and explosive scorer can only play three minutes per quarter based on your medical people's minutes restriction... Why don't you save those minutes for when you need key buckets late in the game when you're having a hard time getting them from other people? That's just my thought. I mean, you know, I'm not a genius or anything, but best player, most efficient scorer, you have them for just a few minutes a quarter. Zion Williamson played a total of 15 minutes in the game last night. In those 15 minutes, he was 6 of 8 shooting, scored 13 points. Interestingly enough, he did not have a rebound. His plus-minus was minus 16 but I, I think some of that's just a function of how few minutes he played and what was happening on the yeah. floor when he was on the floor. It, he is, especially late in the game when, when Lonzo was getting space but couldn't make shots and was taking bad shots, and they were really struggling to get a basket. And that happens at times. That team doesn't really have an alpha. Brandon Ingram's a great player. I mean, he's an all-star. But they kind of have to force him the basketball in big moments. He, he's not a, like an alpha take-over-the-game kind of guy. He's really passive. And they don't have that on that team, except for him, Zion. And so even when you're on limited minutes or even though he's a rookie, and he's the kind of guy that demands the basketball and then makes quick decisions and is efficient when he's got it. And he wasn't there in crunch time, and the team's not been good in crunch time all year. But just more rotational mistakes. I mean, keeping Etwan Moore in the game for as long as he did, not going back to the starting five. J.J. Redick sat too long at spurts when he was shooting really well last night. Just, It's a game that they should have won, that they, they snatched defeat from the jaws of victory, and they also didn't play their best player in the final three minutes of the game. Just complete baffling across the board. 
Hey, Dad, I would think you feel better about your team's result last night as the Lakers beat the Clippers in what was a pretty entertaining basketball game, 103-101. It stayed pretty close throughout uh, most of the ball game. Kawhi Leonard had 28 points last night for the Clippers. Paul George had 30 for the Clippers last night. You look at things for the uh, Lakers, uh, almost like Anthony Davis is a pretty good player. 34 points on 8 of 19 shooting, had 8 rebounds, 4 assists, with 16 of 17 from the free throw line. In comparison, LeBron James had 16 points and 11 rebounds in the game, so he had a double-double. Lakers pretty balanced, though. I mean, those two guys were huge. Kyle Kuzma had 16 off the bench. Um, Deion Waiters had 11 in the game as well and was really efficient in his time on the floor. That was a fun game. Yeah, very good game. To answer your question from yesterday, I felt like both teams wanted to win it. I felt like they were both playing. I I would agree with that. A lot of energy. I don't understand what the Clippers are doing there at the end with the last shot going through Paul George and not through Kawhi. Uh, I'm not really scared of Paul George. Did you see what LeBron did to Kawhi? Oh, I saw that. But you you (laughs) got to figure something out there. You know, FIO. Uh, I thought LeBron, yeah, for for a night where he would probably tell you he had an off night. I mean, he, he, he showed up when he had to. Anthony Davis was great. If Kuzma can continue to deliver like that and be that third wheel, uh, it's going to be really tough to be the Lakers uh, throughout this process. I mentioned the ratings numbers when we were talking with Will Salmon in comparison to baseball. The opening night of the NBA, the return for the NBA, rated lower than the opening night of Major League Baseball. Does that mean anything? There, It does, yes, but there's also some context that need to be added. So when you talk about the ratings number, that's just on TNT. All four regional sports networks got to air the game. So that game was aired locally in Los Angeles by the L.A. Homer announcers. And so you can imagine that that drew some viewership away from TNT. I know I I had the choice, TNT or the New Orleans broadcast, and I watched Joel Myers. Because I I like him and and he's a homer. Uh, So my viewership was drawn away from TNT for the local broadcast. I don't know how much of a difference that makes, but you think in a place like L.A., it's a pretty significant number of people that would have chosen their RSN. Yeah. They're gonna, watch, they're gonna watch Spectrum, yeah, for sure. They want to hear. They want to hear James Worthy and Michael Thompson and those guys. So yeah, yeah, you may be onto something there. But there's but in no terms doubt of the national that... numbers, the national. I mean, Major League Baseball had the same thing going though. That the RSNs are still available on a national broadcast in baseball. In their local markets, they are. Oh, okay. I, I thought that they were blacked I think... out. I'm pretty sure they're blacked out. Are they in the? Either way, but I know some Braves fans have been complaining about they haven't been able to watch some games. There's the spin of well, it's fifty percent or it's double the viewership year over year. So on the if you're an NBA fan, it's oh well, we had double the ratings. But when you look at it, that number should have been higher. And I think this is just a guess. There's no data to back this up. I think it could have been higher if not for the displays. And whether you agree with them or you hate them, I think there's no doubt that there are people, a family member of mine that texted me included, that would have watched the game if not for the displays during the game. Yeah, and it was more pregame than than during the game. I mean, prior to the uh, New Orleans-Utah game, every player, every coach, every team personnel person and league official took a knee for the national anthem. 
They, they all did it. Every single one of them. And that got some backlash. And, I mean, look, if you want to compare this to the NFL, and I know you're talking about a little bit different demographic, a little bit, and maybe a lot bit demographic in terms of the viewing audience, the NFL's television ratings were dramatically down in the year where you had a lot of kneeling going on, you had the protests that were happening during the National Anthem. Like in the teens, and if you think about how high NFL viewership is, a 15% decline is millions. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, three to five million people fewer watching a game for just a random NFL game. And so, yeah, I mean, it's altogether possible. you got some people that said, you know what, I'm not watching it. If that's what they're going to do, Okay, freedom of speech, freedom of expression, they can do that, but I can also exercise my freedom to turn the channel and find something else. Just period. Uh, 601-879-4395, that's the number for the C Spire text line. Be honest, you know your business deserves better, so get better with a C Spire business internet and phone bundle Backed by real support, see how C Spire can power your success today at cspire.com slash business. Uh, let's see here. Jeff says, Braves games are always available on Fox Sports South. There's a Here's weird thing going on with that, though. If the Grizzlies are on at the same time, I think in Mississippi, Grizzlies take precedent over Braves because hmm. the channel that I get the Braves is Memphis basketball. And... Unless the Braves are on by themselves. So you might run into that with this uh, bubble situation going on. Could be. Uh, I would rather hear Borky describe the NBA game than watch the NBA game. (laughs) Hey, I appreciate that. Uh, Here's one. Laughing out loud. Snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. Typical fanboy speak. Your Pelicans (laughs) suck, Borky. They did not execute down the stretch, that's for sure. But I think when you have a 16-point lead in a game, you can say that you snatched defeat from the jaws of victory if you lost that game. I think that's a fair assessment. And I ripped them apart. What are you talking about, fanboy? Yeah, I love the team, but nothing good happened last night. Interior defense is a joke. They don't communicate at all. It's an empty arena, and they still don't talk to each other. A lot of problems. They're really talented, which is why they stay in games like this, but it's also why they don't close them either. My good friend Jimmy sent me a message that 60 to 80% is the number, depending on what study you're looking at for herd immunity. And what are we at about? Three million positives for the United States. Generally, the estimates are 10 times that number have actually gotten it. That gets you to 30 million. That puts you at about 10% of the population. And if I'm off by half, that still leaves you way short. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. So here you go. I mean, you can find a study for anything, right? So, so my friend... Uh, Jimmy Allgood, who is the Lafayette County Emergency Sur- or, uh, Emergency Management Director, s- sent me the message that said, you know, depending on which study you look at, herd immunity, 60 to 
And then we got uh, a message a second ago that said, hey, there's studies out there that say 15 to 20 percent. This is from David in Corinth. Some studies suggest herd immunity with COVID occurs at 15 to 20 percent. Well, if it's 15 to 20 percent, within a couple of weeks, we'll hit herd immunity. Because right now you've had about four and a half million positive tests in the United States. Most experts, epidemiologists and whatnot, will tell you that the reality is we're looking at a 10x number of people that actually have it beyond those who test positive for it. That would take you to 45 million people. United States population is about 330 million. That puts us at about 12% or so in terms of positive test rates if it were 15 to 20%. But if it's more like 60 to 80%, we've got to get to 200 million people to reach herd immunity, which means you got to have four times the number of positive tests and assume that the 10x infection rate is actually out there. So no time soon on the herd immunity, and if we get to that number in a short period of time, it has created an untenable situation in our healthcare system as well. I spoke with a um, a doctor this morning, and we were talking about COVID, and he is, uh, in addition to being a, a medical guy and a science guy, he is certainly a man of faith. And he said, look, he said, my prayer right now is that somehow this strain of virus mutates into something that's less contagious. He said, which may sound like a long shot, he said, but we've already seen the virus mutate a little bit from something that was pretty lethal early on to becoming far less lethal than it was initially. So, weird times. And I don't think we know the answer. (laughs) We really don't know what the right answer is right now. Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm. Glad to be with you this afternoon. 601-879-4395. That's the number for the C Spire text line. We've got the college football fix just around the corner. AC, uh, ACC on Wednesday released their scheduling plans. Ten conference games plus one non-conference game. SEC yesterday released its scheduling plan. And by the way, the ACC is supposed to start on September 12th. SEC is going to start two weeks later on September 26th. And 10 conference games only. Pac-12 released not only its scheduling plan, but its actual schedule today. 10 conference games only starting on September 26th. Everybody will have one open date in either week four, five, or six. And one thing we didn't mention earlier is the Pac-12 championship game, which was supposed to be in the new stadium in Las Vegas this year, I think. Is that right? I believe that is correct, yes. I I think that was correct. Will instead be hosted on a home team campus. So I guess whichever home team's got the better record will host the Pac-12 championship game. 
and it's going to be December 19th, I think. I believe that's right. So what are we, we're, we're waiting to hear what the Big 12 is going to do. Big 12 scheduled its media day for Monday, and then 24 hours later, they're like, nope, 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 we're not going to do that. <laughs> because we don't have answers to your questions. We're not going to give you the opportunity to ask uh, all of those questions and go, yeah, we don't know, we don't know, we don't know. So they will hold off. One hour left with you on Sports Talk Mississippi on this Friday afternoon and in this work week, final day, the month of July. Take a time out, and we'll roll into the 5 o'clock hour after this break. Five o'clock hour with you, Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad. Welcome to the weekend. Thanks for being with us. Ceasefire text line is open, 601 879 Four three nine five. Want more fast and less furious? Switch to Seaspire Fiber and see what real internet looks like. No data caps, no long-term contracts, no cancellation fees. Don't settle for slow speeds, lousy reliability, and bad customer service from the other guys. With Seaspire Fiber, you get gigabit speeds, over ninety-nine point nine nine percent reliability, and local twenty-four-seven support. So nothing slows you down. See if Seaspire Fiber is available in your area now at cspire.com slash fiber. Time right now for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix, driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Summer sales event is going on at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. That means great savings on the entire lineup of Ford SUVs, plus really nice offers on the entire lineup of cars, trucks, and SUVs. Get behind the wheel of a Ford today at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. Interesting story from Ross Dellinger at Sports Illustrated today. He said in this column we'll try to answer two questions. Why did the SEC choose that schedule model? And how might they choose two additional SEC opponents for each one of its teams? We kind of answered the second question earlier. I'll tell you what Ross said about that, but let's start with the first. The why did the SEC choose that particular schedule model? It followed the ACC's announcement on Wednesday of an 11-game scheduling model. The SEC put value or put the value of completing a conference season over the value of non-conference rivalry games. At kind of a baseline level, that's what they did. And on top of that, there was a financial piece. And they decided the delay start. So the delay start they decided on, and that was apparently one of the more hotly debated item among league officials and university officials, because several administrators favored an earlier start Greg Sankey pointed this out yesterday. It's something that we had talked about as well. These are not medical terms that I'll use right now. These are real-life terms. Everybody's coming back to school mid to late August. 
The reality is when a bunch of 18 to 22-year-olds are coming back to college towns and campuses, they're not going to sit in their dorm rooms. They're going to go to bars, they're going to go to restaurants, and if the bars and restaurants are closed or not open as late as they want them to be, they're going to parties at people's houses, at apartments, at random locations, and whatnot. And that is a fertile spreading ground for COVID-19. And as we've talked about earlier, as evidenced by Miami and the poor decisions the Marlins made while in Atlanta, it's pretty contagious and it can spread rapidly. So if you have an influx of, I don't know, somewhere between ten and 40,000 college students in a given college town, and they do their thing when they get back to campus, a bunch of people are going to get sick. and take a week or two for that to happen, and then it's going to take a couple of weeks for everybody to get well. Assuming you have outbreaks in these college towns, when students come back the last week of August, you get two weeks to get everybody well, and then you get two weeks to get ready for the first game. So those are layman terms describing it, but I think that actually makes a lot of sense. The flip side of that would be, using Ole Miss and Mississippi State as an example, you come back onto campus August 17th, everybody goes out that weekend, you have a five-day incubation period, and, you know, about August 26th or so, you start getting a bunch of positive tests. And then you got a game on September 5th. Got a problem. Because you're probably going to have a bunch of guys that can't play. Unless all of your football players steer clear of those parties and those social gatherings. Seems unlikely. Yeah, did you see what happened at Tennessee today? No, I did not. What happened on good old Rocky Top? So I think this is counterproductive, but uh, Tennessee officials sent a new guidance to students today about the fall semester. Among their rules, no parties on or off campus. Mm -hmm. Does not specify what the punishment would be. And I said Tennessee, it's actually Texas. I looked at UT and looked at the very wrong one. So you're going to expel students for having an off-campus party? In the city of of Austin, in most places, have bans on large gatherings, right? So I guess you could say that they were breaking law. I don't know. But, I mean, honestly, how do you punish a college student if they go to a party off campus? A 21-year-old college student who is having a beer at a private residence, not doing breaking any laws other than the social distancing law, how as a school do you punish that student to incentivize them not to go to that party? I don't know. I do not know the answer to that. I do know that Hey Dad's microphone is not working because he's really talking funny. and I'm not seeing him. Like I'm watching him on the live stream. He goes, dah, 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 and we're not hearing any of it. So we will. Uh, I, think I wonder he's if this is the case. He should be. Can you hear me? You back? Yeah, you're back. All right. All I said was they're just going to have to make examples of some people. You know, it won't be the uh, the rich boosters kid. It'll be some. Kid who's there on, on a student loan, no question about that. But what is it? Did it go out again? No, 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 no I'm laughing. You're okay. funny. Okay. And and yeah, I mean, but that's what's going to happen. Somebody's going to get you know. You're endangering the, the welfare of your fellow students. You're out of here, and and people get the get the point. If you if you really want to keep a non bubble clean, somebody is the, the people who screw up are going to have to be made examples of. 
why else do they go with the 10 game model? Well, that gives you flexibility. Yeah, you can do similar testing protocols, but you can do what the Pac 12 has done. You can give yourself room to reschedule games. If a game gets postponed because of an outbreak or because a specific area is not ready, I mean, the example the Pac 12 used right now Arizona and California are hotspots. So we got Arizona and Arizona State playing each other in week one, Southern Cal. USC playing each other in week one. If those games can't be played because those two areas are still hot spots. You push them to week four, week five. And you get a little more breathing room in the schedule. That could be the case in the SEC if it has to be done that way. Um, and then the other thing is the the contracts. The the buy game. I mean, we heard Luke earlier. Luke sent me a copy of, uh, of that contract that he was talking about with Auburn and, and Southern Miss and there's a line in there in the force majeure section that if circumstances cause the SEC or the NCAA to reschedule games, the contract should be null and void. And so by not playing any non-conference games, the SEC is able to say the schedule changed and you're now able to get out of those deals. I don't know if everybody's contract looks that way, but we know for a fact that the one that Auburn had with Southern Miss does because we've got a copy of the contract. So that kind of addresses the why. And then the question becomes of, well, how are they going to decide who is who? Who's playing who? Um, We've kicked around a bunch of different ideas, right? Just take your next two cross-divisional opponents. And I think the, the way you do that and you make it work and not screw up the schedule going forward... As you just say, you're going to play those two next year, this year. And then next year it's going to go back to exactly how it's been scheduled all, all along. Right. I'm sorry if you don't like that. I'm sorry if that means you play two particular teams three years in a row. Well, so be it. Or two teams two out of three years, I guess is what it actually would be. Just so be it. Deal with it. It's the easiest way to do this. That shouldn't happen, right? I mean, nobody. I mean, state hasn't played Georgia. If we did what we're talking about, state hasn't played Vanderbilt since fourteen and played Georgia in seventeen. So I mean, you know, when's the last time? No, no, no. But I'm saying you add those two teams this year, so you would play them in twenty, and then you would play one of them in twenty-one and the other one in twenty-two. Right. But I mean, that's that was. It's going to happen anyway. So. But you wouldn't also be playing them this year. Right. But, I mean, that, it's, that's just the easiest formula. It makes the most sense. Yeah. Um, told you earlier, I had sources tied to kind of all of this conversation that said the strength of schedule that Ross referenced was probably not the right phrasing, that it's a competitive balance model more that they're looking at. And... Ross pointed out in his story today that basically that means they're going to attempt to make it as fair as possible. When you try to make things fair for 14 teams, somebody's going to be happy. Maybe several somebody's going to be happy. Somebody's going to be furious. Maybe several somebody's are going to be furious. Wonder who's going to be the happy ones. Surely not the team that is located in the same state as the SEC headquarters. Roll Tide. Harvey Updike passed away. 
Passed away owing $788,588.98 in restitution and another $19,525 in court fees, according to court records in Lee County, Alabama. The Lee County District Attorney, uh, Mr. Hughes, Brandon Hughes, said that uh, that debt will die with Harvey Updike. He said he's the only person responsible for it. I'd imagine there's some recourse we could potentially pursue against his estate, but the man had nothing. So basically, the case is closed. It essentially died on the vine, so to speak. I don't know if that quote is calloused or not, but it is true. Harvey Updike, uh... of course is the Alabama fan who infamously poisoned the Tumors Corner Oak Tree in 2010. He died at the age of 71, and he became famous because he called Paul Feinbaum's show to brag about poisoning the Tumors Corner Oak. What was it? Spike 30DF or something like that? Something like that. They should should cremate him and spread his ashes at Tumors Corner. It's also cows. Yeah, well. Harvey Updike, a former Texas State trooper, became a household name in 2011 when he called into the Paul Feinbaum show on January 27th of that year, claiming to be responsible for poisoning the oaks at Tumor's Corner, where Auburn fans historically celebrate big wins by rolling the trees. He claimed he poisoned the trees following Auburn's win in the 2010 Iron Bowl when the Tigers, led by Cam Newton, erased a 24-point lead in what became known as the Camback. The Oaks, which were slowly dying due to the herbicide, were removed by the university in 2013. They planted two new Oaks in 2014, but those were vandalized by arson in 2016 and were replaced again in 2017. The tangled web some people weave as it pertains to their college football fandom. Harvey Updike. My favorite picture of him is the one in the uh, the Alabama bomber jacket. You know, it's like it looks like a Letterman's jacket. The with no, the not hat. that kind of bomber. No, with yeah, the he's hat. got the hat on, but it's like the red one with the white sleeves with all the championship yeah. patches on the sleeves, like like he yeah. won them. So you know what I, I realize I'm cheering for now, by the way? Not not related to Harvey Updike. I was going to say, how are you going to tie these two things together? Yeah, not related. Uh, I'm going to be a big Washington State fan uh, this year because I want the Pac-12 championship game to have to be played in the middle of December in Pullman, Washington. I look, I might the average Colorado Buffaloes. we got a better shot at snow in Boulder. Well, the, aver- the average temperature, the average high... In Pullman for the month of December is 35. The lows average is 24. And they the get about po- the, the frozen Palouse. Yeah. I don't know That's if what it's I as cold see. as Columbia, Missouri, though. I checked I checked Eugene, Oregon. Somebody texted us that and said it's probably going to be there. And I was like, well, I wonder how cold it is. It's usually in the 50s there. I guess they're right there. Oregon's not that bad. But I'm pulling for the I'm pulling for the Cougars. I want to I want to see that I, I want to see that game played in a blizzard. It's a wet cold. It's a wet, like a dry heat and a wet cold. God, yeah. yes. 
That's what I was. It's exactly what I was shooting for there. I don't know. You still follow David Brand on Twitter? Uh yeah. Yeah, he, he tweeted the the five day forecast from for Phoenix, where of course he lives now, and uh, like one fifteen every day. It was one fifteen or better every day, basically. Yeah. Did you respond and tell him, yeah, but it's a dry heat? No, I told him it's like you did this to yourself. You took that job. We tried to tell you. I always think about that King of the Hill, where they go to Phoenix and. Peggy's like, this city should not exist. It is a monument to man's greed. <laughs> my favorite response, I, well, it's a dry heat. Yes, yeah, so is my oven. That doesn't mean it's not hot. I was in Vegas one year where it was 118, and I, I promise you, dry or wet, it's it's stinking hot out there, man. It's tough to move. When Ole Miss played in the Super Regional against Arizona State, what was that, 2000? Eight? Somewhere in there. Six, seven, eight, nine, somewhere in there. I don't remember exactly what year it was. You, you guys are better at remembering dates like that than I am. Um wonder if it's because of old age. Might be. Mine is the first thing to go, they say. Might be, Borky. So you know when it is, Borky? <laughs> Young man? Son? I don't have a clue. Anyway, point I was making was, like, you know, that was what, the first week of June, second week of June, and it was, you know, 106, 107. I think I've mentioned before, so our, our broadcast lo- location was on top of the press box. Not in the press box, on top of the press box that looked like a worn-out concrete bunker. Did they at least give you an umbrella or a tent or something? <sighs> I don't remember a tent. I'm not going to oh. say... We didn't have one. I mean, the games were at night. But, I mean, the sun didn't set until, like, the, you know, sixth inning, you know, and get really dark. I, you know, the heat was not, I mean, you know, maybe there's a little bit of a dry breeze or whatever when you're when you're up that high on top of the roof, you know, up above the stadium. But the thing that stands out to me is, I mean, you're, you're in the middle of the desert, and when the wind blows, there's sand in the air. And so everything we had, computer, papers, whatever, everything had like this little grit on it, like this little dusty, dirty grit. Sounds and you get back to the hotel and you're like, I've got to just take a shower and just wash all this dirt off of me. It's like it's like you've been at the beach without the beach. Yeah, without, without the, yeah, ocean, without breeze the ocean breeze keeping you, uh, keeping you uh, cool. Yeah. That's Plus, you're closer to the sun. You're so high up. I mean, you're like you know, a few feet closer. Borky, I wasn't even old when that happened. <laughs> you're not even old yet. I just I found a button I get to push. I don't know. I was probably older than you are now then. Uh, so I'm 28. Old guy, clumsy guy, fat guy. we got a heck of a show here. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'll be the old guy then out of that scenario. Well, I mean, you can't be the fat guy. I'm the old guy and the fat guy. I, I, I'm double whammy. I'm clumsy, too. Dang it. Uh, pretty fun game going on in the NBA right now between the Grizzlies and the Portland Trailblazers. You may remember the Grizzlies were down 11 in the third quarter. They are now up 6 oh, They're up 7, 110-103. Uh, quick math would be an 18-point swing in the last... 12, 13 minutes of game time. Yeah, and I, I, it's been a dilemma as I've been keeping track with this game who I actually want to win because so 
Memphis and Portland are both ahead of New Orleans right now. So mm-hmm. either one of them winning does something bad to New Orleans, but I was trying to figure out who would do less bad. And I've determined that I want Memphis to win this game. Because Memphis is four games ahead of New Orleans right now. All you have to do if you're New Orleans is to get to within four, uh, or within three and a half, so three games from Memphis. You get to play them once, and their schedule's tougher. But if you don't pass Portland, it doesn't matter how close you get to Memphis. So I've determined that Portland losing today is better than Memphis losing today. You just have to win tomorrow against the Clippers, who are still going to be shorthanded, and then go beat Memphis, and you're back in good shape. So go Grizz, grit and grind, all that good stuff. Thanks for the explanation there. You're welcome. You, say, you, I've been sound, like about me, this all you show. sound like me last week when I was trying to do hotty toddy. Like, what What are the words? I don't know. <laughs> been thinking about this all show, man. Who do I – it's a double-edged sword, but which side is a little bit more dull? And I think the Portland losing side's a little, little more dull. Speaking of Memphis, the golf in Memphis has uh, been pretty good. They played early. They, they sent off, everybody off early today because of predicted thunderstorms this afternoon. I'm not sure that it has rained a drop. But they were predicted, so they went off early. Brendan Todd has been the best for the first two rounds. 64-65, he's 11-under. Ricky Fowler, two back at 9-under after shooting 67 today. Ben On is 7-under par after shooting a 65 today. Kepka, after going low yesterday, shooting an 8-under 62, followed it up with a 1-over uh, 71. He is 7-under par Speaking and 4 shots back. Speaking of him, did you see what he did today? I guess not. He uh, he had uh, one of the marshals over there checking his ball, and he said, "Oh wait, there's an ant." Yeah, <laughs> Brooks was trolling that Brooks Bryson. Kepka. That was Bryson to shit. No, oh, he did. Brooks did it today. Yes, yes, he did it today to troll him. Was talking about oh, ants on the ground, yes. and he should get a dross. There's an ant. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I bet everybody got a big laugh out of that one. Half an hour left on this Friday. We'll be right back. Walter in Houston says more NBA. There are a few out there, Borky. Juxtapose that with somebody that said he's turning the channel because of NBA. We just can't win with people. Let's talk about ourselves not talking about the NBA. I know this isn't a big professional basketball state. But I want all of you to remember that we went four and a half months without any sports. And now we have two. One of which is getting apparently decimated because the Miami Marlins uh, can't not go out when they're in Atlanta. And there are postponements everywhere. And the other one is basketball. We've still got two more months until college football. Sometimes we are going to discuss things that are not massively popular to you because what we can't just beat the same dead horse every single day. Oh, yeah, that's fine. Whatever. You're putting too much thought into that. We have we I, have revived that horse and, and killed it again about You, you mentioned times. the Miami Marlins. What if... I mean, I, I don't know that the commissioner's got the power to do this. I'm not sure what he's really got the power to do. Nothing without the Players Association holding his hand, apparently. What if the commissioner just said, okay, we're going to keep playing baseball. Here's the rule. 
You want recourse? Here's recourse. There is an outbreak on your team, and through contract, uh, contact tracing, it is traced back to the violation of protocol that includes going to bars, clubs, etc. Then your team is expelled from the season, and you will receive no postseason revenue. It goes back to what I said. I mean, somebody's going to have to be made an example of. And when that happens, everybody will fall into line. I mean, I'm not saying that you get kicked out because somebody has a positive COVID test on your team. There are lots of ways you can get it. But every team is now traveling with a, like a pandemic officer, a guy to hold these fellas' hands and make sure they don't do the wrong thing and make sure everybody knows what they're supposed to be doing. So if you knowingly violate league protocols and it leads to an outbreak on your team, then your team gets the Nashville or whatever team it was MLS treatment. Pack it up. You're done. See ya. You don't get to be part of the tournament anymore. It was we'll Nashville and Dallas, right? It was two teams. Yeah, I think it was two. I think you're right. Should they do this with Miami right now? Because it it was clearly negligent what they did. I mean, just completely ignored everything. Oh, I'd according be fine to with that. It's not like they're trying to win anyway. I don't know if you can retroactively do it. I mean, I'm sure the players' union would argue against that. Should cost them a draft pick too. Well, otherwise, okay. Say, well, we you do know that. we we were we were out and. You know, we we didn't have a chance to you know do whatever. All right, we'll just you know no first round pick for you. Take away their first, second, and third round pick. So we can't kick you out of the league, which is what we're going to do for anybody else that violates this, and it leads to an outbreak. But the commissioner's office can penalize you for breaking protocol and leading to an outbreak and multiple games being canceled. Uh, we're going to dock you your first, second, and third round draft picks next next year. If that's what it takes. Again, I mean, it's it's going to take extreme situations, call for extreme measures. It's just going to have to be this way. And I, I wouldn't I, even I, be I, mad I, at Major League Baseball if they said, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're pressing pause right now. The entire league is going to quarantine for 14 days. We will begin play two weeks from today. We're going to pick the season up where it left off. Just gonna push everything back two weeks, and here's the new set of rules. You break protocol, and it leads to an outbreak. You're out of the season. But I mean, this goes back to the owners going crazy. We're not playing baseball in November. Shut up. You need your postseason revenue. Play it till it's done. I don't think you have to shut the whole city. I mean, that's what they're saying. Oh, we're on the verge of shutting it down. Why do you have to shut it down? Why don't you just press pause for two weeks? Yeah. Get everybody healthy. Get everybody back to ground zero. And then start all over again. Pick it up where you are in the schedule. The records everybody's got. Let's play the last 53 games. Get to the playoffs. You cause an outbreak. Because of negligence. Because of breaking protocol. You're done, and your team does not receive its share of the postseason revenue. 
it's not too late to do this, right? I've seen people already say, well, Major League Base, this isn't going to work for Major League Baseball unless they create a bubble. Number one, it's too late for that. And two, it can work as long as the players don't go to clubs. Just avoid that, and maybe it can work. But is it too late to implement these kind of things? No. You got to do what Richard said, though. You got to shut down for a couple weeks, let everybody quarantine, and then start right back up. And if you got to do a couple, if you got to do three weeks of double, of every game's a double header to catch up, if you truly don't want to play baseball in November, then you got to do what you got to do there. But they could do it. Little wrinkle to this, by the way, on the football side of things. Uh, the NFL's agreement, although they came to an agreement, has yet to be signed. So they mm-hmm. can go back in and amend it and add certain things if need be. So they, they can yeah. still technically negotiate protocols and punishment and stuff if they need to because the agreement has yet to be signed. My question is college football. So you can punish Major League Baseball players. I mean, you can cut them. You can fire them from their job. You can fine them for doing all this stuff. Not so much for a college football player. If I mean, we saw in Arizona they suspended an offensive lineman for not following team protocols. But how, how far can you go with de-incentivizing bad behavior in college football before it is too far? Because it's different when they're not technically, air quotes, professionals. It's called a violation of team rules. Suspend them. Kick them off. Do whatever you want to do. Yeah, I mean, this is college football. They kick guys off for, you know, everything, and they just say, you know, violation of team policy. There's no there's no union protecting the players in college football. They can kick them off for whatever they want. And if they say, you tested positive, you're out, what, what, what's a kid going to do? Sue? No. So Yeah, I mean, college football, you can suspend a guy for anything, and you can also not suspend a guy for anything if you choose. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the, the head coach is, is the czar of that situation. He'll do, he'll they'll do whatever they want. Hey, just random tweet here. This I mean, just apropos of nothing. Is it Complete non sequitur. Okay. No, Anish Shroff on ESPN. I don't even know what this pertained to. He says this pandemic has warped my sense of time. We are not that far away from pumpkin everything season. <laughs> That's not wrong. Like the pumpkin spice latte will be back soon. Well, it's a few months away from Christmas music being played everywhere. Like three. Yeah. Well, I mean, some places it starts earlier than that. Huh? Overtime in Orlando, Memphis and Portland. Ah, oh, jeez. I'd choke it away. How about this? The NHL has conducted roughly 1,500 tests per day in each of the hub cities since Sunday. These tests have been processed in 24 hours or less, and as of today, there have been no positive test results. That's good. Good job. Send some of your people to MLB. (laughs) No kidding. But they're doing the hub city thing. Yeah. It's almost like they want to play hockey. I'm excited to see how that turns out, That the way they've got everything set up. I'll, I'll be tuning in for some of that. To make it uh, feel a little bit different? Yeah. I mean, um, no, 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 no. Oh. I was just going to say, it, the, here, this makes, makes it think things are a little bit different. Red Sox are all wearing face coverings during the pregame introductions and did nothing but air high fives and fist bumps tonight. 
pictures came out of Oklahoma's first practice of fall camp, and they all had the the stuff you see the guys wear in the winter that starts like at the base of their neck and goes up yeah. over their face. They all had them on. Yeah, everybody's wearing masks. I saw pictures today of LSU football helmets and North Carolina football helmets with the splash shields installed as well, which is the the lower shield on the the football yeah. helmet. Life uh, finds a way. They're trying. I mean, college football is is giving it a try. I think college football success is going to depend on how good the player uh, the player leadership is on teams, individual teams, on teams where you've got good, strong, mature player leadership and. A strong locker room. They'll do what they're supposed to do, and they'll be healthy enough to play. Places that lack discipline, lack leadership, they'll they'll mail it in and they'll mess it up. Certainly for themselves, and maybe for others as well. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.